0: The hosts feel it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life it will thrill you it may shock you it might even horrify you so if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain now's your chance to well we've warned you hello and welcome once again to the frankencast I'm the mad scientist Anthony Bowman, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined as always by... The small monkey man that will eventually become
1: two separate, larger monkey men, that is Eric Velasquez. My pronouns are
0: also he, him. <laughs> All right, yeah, so this movie is, uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, like right, So we're watching War of the Gargantuas this week, and... Uh, this is another one of the the dual like Toho American International Productions, um, so there's you know you've got some American actors. It's primarily Japanese actors. So I, I again I went back and watched them both. We're we're going to mostly be talking about the the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not that different this time around. There there's really very few changes except that they just kind of like subtly removed any reference to Frankenstein in the American version.
1: Yeah, right. So the alternate name for this is Frankenstein Kai- no Kaiju, Sanda Tai Gaira, or <laughs> Frankenstein the the large monster, Sanda versus Gaira.
0: Yeah, and and I guess it's, it's funny, you know, like now American film is so, you know, overrun with like reboots and sequels and remakes, like we're wanting franchises, that's mm-hmm. like what keeps the the american film institute afloat or institute uh <laughs> industry afloat um is you know these trusted known properties but i kind of got the impression that like maybe at this time they wanted things that could stand alone so you didn't feel like oh well i haven't seen this other one so i can't watch this second one you know right or at least um, it
1: referenced the previous version ever so slightly that it could be its own thing regardless of whether you've seen it or
0: not yeah Yeah, so, I mean, I guess part of that is just accessibility. You know, if you missed a movie in theaters back then, you're just kind of out of luck unless you catch it at like a repertory theater that brings it back or something. Whereas now, you know, we can find it on Netflix or download it or buy the, you know, the Blu-ray or whatever. Um, So people are more familiar with, they can catch up on past work a lot more easily. Yeah, there definitely wasn't VHS at that time. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but other than that, they're basically the same movie. It's just the American one just calls it Gargantua's and never references Frankenstein really at all. Right. So I've got a theory. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So a
1: lot of the actors from the previous version, except for the American actor, uh, they've returned, right? We have, uh, we have Kumi uh, Mizuno, but this time she's not, she's not Suiko Tagami. She's Akami Togawa.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like the names are similar, but they're not they're they're not the same. So here's my
1: proposition. Because we we've had every everything's ever so slightly similar. Like we don't have Dr. Bowen anymore. We now have Dr. Stewart played by Russ Tamblin, aka Riff from West Side Story, aka Dr. <laughs> Dr. Jacoby from uh, Twin Peaks. Uh so so and it's also like the um the what we will know as the Frankenstein monster. Uh, basically, everything happened very similarly to the last movie, except for, uh, obviously, he looks different now. So maybe the atomic bomb dropping on him changed his cell so much that he's now basically generating, well, he was generating brand new cells last time when he whenever something got knocked off of him. As, see, his hand getting chopped off and then coming to life on its own only to die later when he didn't get protein. but. <laughs> Uh, in this case, like, everything's ever so similar,
0: but there's just s- enough subtle differences that it is its own universe. Yeah, I mean, like, even, you know, the creature himself, you know, like, in the last movie, he looked like Frankenstein, mm-hmm. you know, like what we're, we've, we're used to seeing, like, the flat top head and everything. And in this, he is just basically like a little monkey boy. Right. Yeah, It. Uh.
1: it is. Yeah, that's another difference, obviously. Uh, but he did, he was actually getting... Um, developing hair on his body as he was like growing in height
0: yeah in the original yeah yeah Yeah. so it is it's it's like yeah I think that that that's actually a really good well and you know not to mention that you know we talked a lot last week about that there was this alternate ending that we watched with this giant octopus that (laughs) wasn't in the original or the like the theatrical run of the film and this one starts with a giant octopus so it's almost like yeah like the giant octopus verse or something like this exactly yeah (laughs) um yeah so i guess that's you know so that's how the movie starts basically we've got a guy uh piloting a boat and tentacles start coming through the windows and grabbing him um and it looks like the boat's going to get pulled under uh you got you know the pretty traditional scene you know like the kraken type scene of like tentacles all wrapped around the boat and it looks like it's going to be it for this little little boat and its crew yeah almost like Twenty
1: Thousand leagues under the sea right
0: yeah yeah exactly uh but then in this case the the octopus is thwarted by a giant ape-like creature that comes up out of the water uh and it kind of fights off the octopus but then it, it's it's strange because it's not really rescuing the boat it like as soon as the octopus flees he just starts rocking the boat himself like <laughs> he's not really trying to help the people out he's just no you he, know. he just wanted to scare the monster off so he could have them just looking for a fight. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But I mean, he shakes it violently though. And the miniature work in this is looks so cool. Like, I mean, you know, it's just like a guy in like a, you know, shallow pool, I guess with a very detailed boat, but it looks really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I will, I will say that all the composite shots
1: look better. Uh, the miniatures look better. There's no weird horses or boars that don't belong that are just painted (laughs) little miniatures. Uh, yeah. So, if you're looking for a, a great FX movie, this is this is one of the best kaiju movies that, or one of them. Not not the best, but it's up there. In yeah,
0: the yeah, I'd say it's definitely up there, and it's definitely it's like one that a lot of people don't know. So if you're looking for something new and interesting, you know, this is definitely one worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so then we get like the uh, the man in the uh, from the boat in the hospital like after the attack. So you know he survived and kind of is like moaning and you know it's, it's one of those scenes where like the police are trying to like get some clue as to what's going on and you know he's just too out of it but then he finally like gets one word out and it's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I love it.
1: It was so dramatic.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so uh, the police are kind of discussing the other four crew members haven't been found. They send out like divers and search you know like to search parties and it's just Uh, They can't find anything, but, you know, as is common in these monster movies, like, the police aren't quick to believe the the monster angle. So they're like, maybe they were smugglers, maybe there's got to be some kind of angle on what's going on here that um, he's using Frankenstein as an, you know, as an excuse. Um, Which is, you know, I guess kind of lends credence to your possible alternate universe thing is because... The police should know that there was a giant Frankenstein monster and also, you know, Baragon, this underground dweller, tearing up towns all over Japan. Japan's, you know, it's a relatively small island. Everybody knows everybody's business. Um, if a giant monster happens, everybody there's going to know about it. But Yeah, I feel like, obviously, as we're going to find out, there is a Frankenstein
1: Research Institute uh, coming up pretty soon. So they all know it happened, but maybe it's been pushed out of their mind you know it's been so many years after the fact it's kind of like in all the the 80s slasher movies uh once they get about three movies deep it's like no that's just a legend at this point right
0: yeah surely this camp's safe that's just a campfire yeah, tale right exactly <laughs> yeah so then you get the um the oh, then the police the, they go back and speak to the uh, to the captain of the boat in the hospital and he you know mentions i think he mentions again like the it was this gargantua, this Frankenstein like creature. Um, it kind of bounces back and forth. Then you get the police like looking at clothes they found in the wreckage, and they're like, it looks like this was chewed up. Um, so you just kind of get like a little bit of like, and really this movie is kind of a police procedural in a way. Like, um, it's very, it's a mystery, you know, who did this? What's happened? You know, even once we get, when we finally do see that there was a gargantua, then it becomes like, you know, why did the Frankenstein monster that was you know, seemingly good in the last movie now, you know, he's like cannibalistic and violent and, and, you know, what's going on. So uh, yeah, it plays, it plays out like a mystery and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no doubt. They definitely bring in all the, the
1: divers and everything to start searching for evidence. It's almost to a degree kind of Lovecraftian uh, in that there is, we do see that there's a monster, but then again, there's a lot of research and a lot of background investigation that's done by the main cast that basically is, as you said, trying to uncover this mystery that's underlying the whole movie.
0: Yeah. And they even like hold off on like, you know, obviously, you know, it's this is the war of the gargantuas. So we know there's two, but they hold off on giving you that information in the movie for quite a while. Like they, they do kind of build up the suspense of like, you know, did this one monster do all of this and, and why? Yeah. Spoiler, obviously, the
1: the other monster is more benevolent than this one. Uh, but yeah, 45 minutes in, basically halfway through this movie. That's when we're going to see him.
0: Yeah. So then, then we get like the police and I think some like, um, reporters, they go and talk to, uh, they go to the Frankenstein Institute that you were talking about. And that's when we re meet our trio of doctors. Although it kind of this time there are three, but then like the third guy kind of just like goes into the background and it's mainly, uh, Tagawa and, uh, uh Dr. Stewart right. uh, Rust Hamblin um their sort of like dynamic is is the sort of central part of the the story. Yeah, but I've I've noticed that as opposed to um the previous two cast members
1: there's not at all a romantic subplot. It's like they're close but it's like purely
0: platonic. There's no hey, you're coming over to my house to have some dinner, right? Yeah, and she calls him professor. It almost seems like she's like an apprentice to him almost. Right. And so yeah, they they, they kinda get interviewed and, and Dr. Stewart is like, you know, yeah, Frankenstein could be alive again, you know, he he's that's what he does, he regenerates, but no, he wouldn't he wouldn't kill people, he wouldn't eat people, and he wouldn't live in the sea. So this doesn't make any sense. This can't be Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, yeah. He definitely wanted to move towards colder climes, but uh he he was definitely a more terrestrial being, right? Oh yeah. But, of course, then we have a little bit of a, a flashback towards the uh, the baby monkey as opposed to the
0: young teenager with a flat top. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of a similar scene to what we saw in the last movie. They just redone it with a new creature. So, like, you've got Dr. Tagawa, and she's, like, feeding him and, like, giving him a little bottle of milk and teaching him how to drink out of a straw and everything. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's that same sort of, like, that he's very food-driven and that he's being kind of cared for. While he's being sort of not experimented on, but like investigated, um, you know, they're they're not completely treating him just like an experiment. Like he's, you know, he's being cared for. Yeah, definitely. And she's she's obviously taking on the motherly role. But as you said,
1: there's there's less mutilation uh, of this creature, at least that we've seen. Right. Yeah.
0: Nobody's talking about chopping off limbs on this one.
1: Right. Exactly. (laughs)
0: And then we get this other, another scene of like a boat being attacked. And like, I think it's supposed to be the original boat. We're just getting more footage of what happened. It's kind of unclear though. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could just be another fishing trawler, but then we, we
1: see that as these, uh, some of the fishermen are looking over the side. Oh no. It's the, it's this massive green Frankenstein creature.
0: And that scene looks so cool too with him under the water like shooting through the water like that. Yeah. Uh it's it's really cool. Uh and of course, you know, he rises from the water and and you know, wrecks everything and and crushes or like grabs all the people, like catches them. Um so, you know, paying more credence to the the possibility that the other four crew members were were eaten. Yeah, definitely. And then we get a uh, drawing
1: of a what looks like a merman. Uh, but also the actual, uh, I believe Kanji, actually references Frankenstein.
0: Uh, okay. And so then, we, yeah, we get the doctors there kind of discussing the mystery, what they should do about it. Um, you get, like, this scene where the police are inspecting a bunch of damaged boats on the shore, um, and that's where they find, like, their first sort of, like, DNA evidence or whatever. They find, like, a little chunk of of flesh or something from the creature and then, so, okay, they they find the, the stuff, and then we go back to the doctors who are, like, now climbing a mountain. They had heard, like, rumors that there was, uh, that there were some footprints found. Right. And so they go to look, and it looks like, you know, it's it looks like Frankenstein, you know, it's giant, you know, human humanoid, ape-like feet prints. Um, so it seems unlikely that a creature could have been in the water and then also on this mountain in like this small window of time. And this was the original Frankenstein monster's kind of MO as
1: we mentioned earlier. He likes to go to mountains like likes to go to cooler temperatures but once again still on land.
0: Yeah but then the um, you got other scientists while they're doing that that, who get the, the DNA from the boats and they start looking at it through a microscope and it looks like Frankenstein cells. So things are, you know, it's, it's odd. Like things aren't quite adding up. We've, we've got what appears to be Frankenstein in two places at the same time. And then we get this great scene at the airport, uh, at the Haneda airport where the creature rises up out of the sea. And this is, you know, like the most like classic kaiju scene in the movie, um, is, you know, you got the composite people in the front running, screaming, Building smashing. Uh, he pulls a woman out of a window and eats her. Uh, it's just all of, all the stuff you want out of a good kaiju but, movie. But what does he do after he eats her? He spits her clothes out, right? Oh. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So that so, explains yeah. that. <laughs> so definitely this is the creature that destroyed the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the clouds kind of break and a beam of sun comes down and hits the creature and he just like... Takes off running into the ocean. Right, he can't stand it. It's it's too bright.
1: It's a very uh, kind of fantasy, a fantasy element to it, right? Sunlight comes out and drives away the monster.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've definitely seen some of that in the movies we've been watching. Mm-hmm. And real quick, while we're um, so that seems that you know there's a lot going on, and there's like the 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 building breaking, and then the sort of like acrobatic running that that's kind of a new thing for for a kaiju. Um, so in the, the this kaiju, um, the the green Frankenstein monster and also in the last movie, Baragon, mm-hmm. were both played by Hiro Nakajima, who is like the father of creature monster, like suit creature monsters. Uh, he was the original Godzilla in, in the first movie and has played so many kaiju over the years. Um, and like I totally didn't catch that he was was Baragon in the last movie. Um, so I definitely wanted to like mention him because he is the coolest. And if you watch a lot of the movies that he's in and like clock which creature he's playing, he plays them totally different. You know, like you would think it's just like guy in a big suit knocking over building. There's not much to it. But then you watch like Godzilla walks different than Barragon walks. Right. And they both walk different than, you know, this uh Frankenstein monster that we're seeing here like the the movements the, the the body language it's all very different like he was putting a lot of physicality and acting into what could have been like very rote and silly and repetitive
1: right and going back to that the 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 Frankenstein creatures uh kind of harkening to the last movie, they're very agile they they have a lot of lot more movement they do a lot of roles in their combat, so I mean. That's that physicality is, is definitely, it's nice to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then once he goes into the ocean, then we get the doctors being like swarmed by reporters asking about the airport, um, kind of continuing, it, you know, this this investigation that sort of goes on with the, the human storyline as it goes. Um, and then they, they end up going to a conference, um, and they're like on a train, like, how do you feel about going to this conference where we feel like people are gonna just be wanting to to kill the monster?" Uh, and they're like, well, you know we have you know we have to go and and see what we can find out and tell them what we know and maybe sway the situation um And this is where you first get the mention of like maybe there's two, like maybe that would explain all of this,
1: yeah, because they do mention that there's kind of been another sighting on the mountain versus the one from the sea,
0: yeah. And then the, the conference, it's, it's its almost like a press conference. You've got, like, reporters asking a lot of questions. Um, and Dr. Stewart, you know, says that, like, they still want to try to use Frankenstein for research if they can safely, you know, capture him without killing him. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> research. <Scientist>. Yeah, science. <laughs>
1: exactly. But I believe the uh, the Army... I guess he's a general uh, decides that he wants to
0: use electricity on all of all of Tokyo Bay to get the creatures. Yeah. yeah, and like nobody ever like n- at no point is anyone like, "What about like the fish and the other <laughs> things that are in the water no one No one brings that up at all. I guess you know environmentalism was not really much of a thing at this point. yeah, uh. <laughs> conservation was definitely uh the last thing to be thought of. It seems like, yeah. Uh, So then we go to uh, another music club, you know, which is like the thing for these movies that like appeal to the youth. Um, This time, it's not so much rock and roll. It's more like a it's this woman singing with like a big band. It almost kind of has like a Burt Bacharach kind of like jazz pop vibe going on. And she's singing in English. Yeah. um, By the way, that would be Kip
1: Hamilton, uh, who is our our singer. Oh, okay. Yep. She sings a, a song that will get stuck in your head called stuck in my word, stuck in my throat. (laughs)
0: so be prepared for that and then of course you know as as you would expect uh, the gargantua shows up uh, grabs the singer and is about to eat her um and again like this they do a really good job here of like you know you've got like the creature suit actor and like the you know human who is you know and like they do a lot with the size where it works out and they've got like a, a giant hand that they lay her in Um, And it like edited together, it looks really good. Like it's very believable that she's actually being picked up.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's as we said earlier, it's not chintzy. You you definitely, I mean, you can still see the seams, but for the time, everything was well composited. Everything was put together really well. Uh, And yeah, as you stated, it you believe that this woman is being picked up by a giant monster and getting ready to be
0: yeah and so then they um after knowing about what happened at the airport they decide to turn on all the spotlights around the stage and everything just turn on all the the club lights and it works the uh the gargantua drops the the uh singer and it, like she falls kind of hard like it looks like they must have used a stunt person or something because it it does not look like a like a simple fall and then he just you know takes off back into the ocean definitely and at that point i believe Yep. Uh, uh,
1: Everyone is told to turn on their lights in the cities of uh, Kyoto, I believe, or Tokyo and Tokyo.
0: Yeah. So it's like clear. Yeah. I I guess, you know, now that we've seen this works more than once, it's like, yeah, they have like the police cars driving around blasting sirens, the radios telling people, you know, it's kind of just like an all points bulletin. uh, You know, we need everybody lights on all the time so that we can keep the creature away right this is the anti-dad movie turn on all the lights in the house at all times <laughs> uh yeah and so then like the next scene we get like the army rolling out again uh you got the little tanks got you know heading out into villages and stuff um and again you get that um that akira ifukube army music that's you know, kind of martial music, it's real cheerful and positive and stuff, and this is actually, like, I noticed that in the American version, they put different music there, they put, like, intense, serious right. army music, instead of, like, the kind of fun army music that that Ifukube use.
1: But that's also kind of the signif- signifying of the error, right? We're getting ready to go into a, spoiler alert, uh, a bad war for America, but, <laughs> you know, Japan's kind of dearmed, and they're like, you know, it's not so serious as as it is in America at this time. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, we actually have some uh it looks like I, I think we've seen these in a few Godzilla movies, but it literally looks like just uh sci fi laser beams on the
0: on the tops of these tanks and uh personnel carriers yeah so i actually was going to talk about that the first time they talk about them they say like bring out the lasers and mm-hmm. i was like oh that's weird because in the, in the godzilla movies they always call them masers with right. an m mm-hmm. um but later on in this movie they do refer to them as masers um, and actually apparently this is actually the first appearance of those oh, they were okay. in the earlier god and i mean they're all over the later godzilla movies okay. um, but yeah it's this movie and Maser is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, like it was just like, oh, you know, they were just. It's kind of like phasers in Star Trek. It's like, you know, what if what's one letter better than a laser? Just maser. Switch to, yeah, but apparently it's like microwaves. It is a. I don't think it's anything like what they're showing here. But that maser is a real thing. It's some sort of microwave amplified something or other. Um. So I learned something new. Right. Whereas, well, laser is what light
1: light amplified. Basically the kind of equivalent just with light versus the actual microwave. Yeah. Rays. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so they've got those kind of surrounding the creature. They set a bunch of bonfires. They kind of, like, trap him and he, like, sort of ducks behind the trees and there's that. this part kind of threw me off because it seems like he's just, like, crouched down behind some trees and then there's, like, a little short clip that looks like he's like in water or something and I thought, like, the other Gargantua had showed up mm-hmm. but it hadn't um, I don't, yeah, I, I was really kind of thrown off by that, but they, they eventually like, there's just that one scene and then they start shooting tanks at him. He starts picking up tanks and throwing them at houses. Yeah. Just chucking them wholesale, <laughs> like baseballs. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, that that's really great. <laughs> but it's, yeah. Uh,
1: then the soldiers decide, oh no, we're getting, we're getting our butts kicked. Let's, uh, let's fall back. Let's do a, a retreat here for a bit, but turns out. That was
0: uh, that was a feint. Yeah. So then they that's, they they start. That's when like the, they start really kind of building up all the laser equipment and everything. Then we see like a gargantua like washing in this in a stream, and there's, well, like, can we can we take one step back? I I, I don't want
1: to interrupt you, but like so the lasers are actually causing battle damage to to this one.
0: Oh yeah yeah it it I mean yeah there's some really cool like effects where like chunks of you see like pink underneath you know like there's like big chunks of skin getting like blasted off by this stuff and it looks like they actually set the suit on fire for
1: just a second like at, at different intervals and that could be another composite shot but it literally looked like they had um some of the uh the powder from uh from like fire firecrackers and they just ignited that real quick on the suit oh yeah as the as the the masers hit but also, I, I just want to tell you, I, I wrote a, a really crappy joke that I'm very proud, proud of. Uh, we're going to learn that this creature's name eventually is Gyra. And uh, as I uh, was writing my notes, I uh, decided to write down, uh, turns out the uh, Mazers are uh, setting Gyra on Phyra. So, <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> Yep, definitely worth it. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just I just did confirmation for that. <laughs> but yeah, so like you said, you know, he gets all this battle damage and kind of burns and stuff. So then that's where he's like kind of in the stream. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, sort of like, you know, washing his his wounds basically. And then you get like these choppers circling overhead. Uh and so he kind of like flees again, um stomps through a bridge headed towards the army like so, yeah, there's just... This kind of goes back and forth where you get a lot of, like, army attacking, creature attacking back, um, and then you get these great moments where he just, like, jumps and knocks helicopters out of the sky, and they, like, hit the ground and explode in these big fireballs. It looks really cool. Yeah.
1: I, that's that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie, just where he just keeps, like, reaching over his head just a little bit, and then they come a little bit closer, and he just jumps up, grabs
0: them, and throws them down. <laughs> yeah. And, again, it's, like, the miniature work there looks so good. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, but but at this point, like, they they attack him, like, they hit him with so much of those, like, maser blasts that he, like, kind of crawls away. Yeah, they're taking out his ankles, right? Yeah, and he kind of just, like, falls into the river and just, like, kind of appears like he may be, you know, be dead or dying. And then... We finally, we get the second Gargantua appearing. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he kind of just, like, picks up his brother and and carries him away. Right. This one's uh, brown, right? Or they say he's brown. He looks kind of blonde. I mean, (laughs) you know, blonde brunette, maybe sandy blonde. But, yeah, that's... He's definitely more of, like, a Bigfoot-looking creature. Like, you know, I mean, the coloration and everything, it just looks more like a traditional ape as opposed to, like, you know, this strange sort of green creature. Mm -hmm. Right, Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's like, well, we're going to learn that the,
1: the brown one's named Sanda. and um, The green one is Gyra. But it's like Gyra is more uh, aquatic. Looks like he has scales on his body. Sanda kind of looks like he does too, but not to the extent that Gyra does. We'll yeah, learn. I
0: almost wonder if the green is like, you know, like algae or seaweed kind of growing in his fur too. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to his origins or at least what they say it is. Yeah, so so yeah, this is this is pretty much when we kind of find out like the military just sort of says like we have decided to designate the sea Frankenstein as Gaira and the the mountain Frankenstein as Sanda. Um, and the American version just goes with green and brown. Right. They don't even try to try to Why name give them, them names? They're gargantuas, come on. <laughs> so real quick, I wanted to uh, talking about these names, um, so like I have like the the um, Toho DVD set of this. It's like this and Rodan together for some reason. I don't know why they're packaged together, but that's the way they are. Um, And all over the packaging it refers, it, it, you know, refers to um, the green creature as being Gyra with an R. Mm -hmm. But then the subtitles in the actual movie um, on this same disc say Gyla with an L. Um, And, you know, so I actually talked to uh, our friend Alex who is like fluent in, in Japanese because I wanted to make sure that like I was on the right page here. Like, you know, we've obviously heard there's a you know a lot of like stereotypes and jokes yeah. about L's and Rs in um, Japanese and, and Asian languages and stuff. Um, so I wanted to make sure I kind of understood why that was happening and, and just kind of clear it up in case there was any confusion. So it it's not that the Japanese language is missing a sound that the English language has, it's that they have a different sound that we don't that is actually kind of in between an R and an L. Right. It's kind of like the like a Spanish rolled R. Like it's gyda. Um And so when they sp- have to anglicize spellings with English letters as opposed to the, like the kanji letters, they kind of just have to pick one. Um, and it varies. That's why you see like Godzilla and Gojira, which to us look like two totally different words, but... To a Japanese speaker, those would be pronounced the same.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so that's that's kind of the same thing, you know. Just in case you were wondering why why the name might be spelled differently, and it's it's not a it's not a racist thing or a joke or anything. It's just trying to fit Japanese words using American letters or English letters. Right. Um, you kind of have to pick a side, and you know, depending on the word, sometimes it can it can vary. And in this case, you know, different people might interpret it different ways. Well said. Um, yeah, so once they designate, then you uh, you get, like, the the army is looking for clues, they're trying to find, track them down, and Dr. Stewart's like, well, I think, you know, um, Gaira is probably the one that you need to sort of be thinking about because he's got to stay near water to survive, so right. they're probably somewhere near a body of water. And he's clearly the more dangerous of the two anyway, or at yeah, least that's what assume, because at
1: this point they're like, oh, Sanda is the the one that we raised until he escaped.
0: Yeah. Um, so then at this point, I think like the doctors kind of come upon like tissue samples from both of the creatures, run them under a microscope. And then they kind of have this conversation, like what is their relation to one another? And it's like, they're not exactly brothers. It's not exactly father and son. They're almost, the same almost creature. clones. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Except for one has a few, little bit more plankton in his uh, genes. Yeah, so this is this is a part that actually kind of does reference back to the last movie. Um, Doctor Stewart believes that when Frankenstein in in the last movie went to Lake Biwa, like the the part where there's like the teens on the party boat and he shook the boat up, that he must have like knocked off some DNA into the water there, and that that is where um, where Gaia was like born, basically was within the the waters of that lake. Right, but they still have kind of uh, kind of a
1: brother relationship, and I think in the uh, American version, it is just they're just like these guys are brothers. Yeah,
0: yeah. So then you know we like as they've been talking about like the the these creatures regrow or heal or, or um, revive using like protein. So you know, Gyra being like in the the water is getting like aquatic protein from plankton and and whatever, and so of course just going to turn him more into a quad and an aquatic kind of creature mm-hmm. uh, kind of similar to the um dr pretorius's mermaid that right. was made out of seaweed instead of other seeds exactly <laughs> and but so then they they finally like hit on like this could be a big problem if if frankenstein is just dropping dna and it's turning into a whole new monster there might be monster, you know, chunks of DNA all over the place and these might all grow into giant creatures. We could, you know, be completely overrun by like hundreds of Frankenstein monsters right. if we don't do something about it. At that point it's an existential threat, right? I mean, yeah. it's just going to increase
1: exponentially daily. And you know, I mean, they don't really touch on it here, but there's many opportunities later on for them to be for there to be thousands of uh F- new Frankensteins or Gargantuas running around.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so, of course, the, the the army's like, maybe we should get the napalm out. <laughs> like, we need right. to just burn everything. We've got to suffocate the cells, right, with fire? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, in distinct contrast to the army, <laughs> it cuts to these scenes of just, like, teens happily, like, skipping through the forest, singing songs, uh, <laughs> and there's you see like it's almost like a it's it actually looks like a slasher movie at the beginning because yeah. you got kids like skipping through the woods you've got kids in, can- in canoes like rowing around this little lake and they're all just singing together it's just like this really like idyllic sort of environment and then you have uh, you know the two doctors Tagawa and Stewart who are like well how is it you know like this seems like they should maybe be a little bit concerned about what's going on in the world and if it's like oh the resiliency of youth you know they don't fear death they're just pure and wholesome and like they they don't have anything to worry about Right, they compare they compare the,
1: this uh, incident with these giant monsters with the Nazi occupation of Paris. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, there's a, personally, this is a, a little bit of a difference. One, we have forces of nature effectively, and you know, e- the evils of mankind. But I guess technically, they
0: both could be attributed to the evils of mankind
1: in their own little way. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it's the last movie it felt like it kind of discussed world war Two a little bit uh, in more like reverent tones this one it's this is really the only reference and it's you know it's it's not necessarily a very apt comparison <laughs> right <laughs> it's like one of these um, things is not quite like the other yeah for sure uh and you know as as you know one would assume is going to happen um the you know a gargantua appears and starts like Stomping around and you know scaring the teens, and they start running, and you know it, it's you know chaos. And in the chaotic moment, like Dr. Tagawa falls off a cliff. Yeah, that's uh, like, that's kind of interesting.
1: Just run for a few feet and then just slide off the cliff and on, onto <laughs> yeah. some roots. Okay, well and, that's fair. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you know it's that very like traditional, like mm-hmm. almost like cartoonish scene of like. You know, hanging onto a root off the side of a cliff. Um, and, you know, Dr. Stewart is like trying to find a way down to get to her, to rescue her. Uh, you know, he's trying to get kind of like underneath her safely. Um, but in, instead, um, Sanda appears and like slides down the cliff, like injuring himself in the process to get to her and like catches her and sets her down safely. Yeah, I mean, and it looks like the the actor kind of took a – I mean,
1: they did take a bump there when they got to the, the bottom of it, and I think they just built it into the story. But uh, it looks like he actually did get injured, and then they dropped a few few foam rocks on him at the top. But once again, it does look good, so I can't complain too much. I'm, I'm being yeah.
0: being a little mean to something I love. <laughs> and, you know, so, of course, then, like, you know, Dr. Tagawa is like, well, he he knows me. Like, he clearly does recognize me. Um, so this, this is our Frankenstein basically. And of course he picks her up as gentle as you can
1: and puts her back on the, on the cliff.
0: Yeah. So then they like kind of go and you get back to the army and they're like, we're going to kill them both. We're going to use chemical weapons. We're going to destroy all the DNA. Everything's going to be gone. Um, and like, you've got the doctors being like, no, you know, Sanda is good. Like he's, he's harmless. Like he has helped us in multiple instances now. Like, we should save him. We should be able to do research on him and protect him and, you know, keep him safe from humans and keep humans safe from him. Um, and, you know, obviously the army is not interested in that plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, they're definitely they're definitely down to uh, destroy them both, because that's how you make sure there's no more Frankensteins, right? Yes. I,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and so main, may, I, I keep saying the army, but they're mainly talking to like there's this one general who's sort of like the the you know the mouthpiece of the military in this movie right um and yeah he's like you know they should both be killed um so then you've got like the doctors that night they're kind of discussing what should we do next and then like sirens go off and lights start turning on all over the city and suddenly just like uh, there's not really any sort of thing that happens to make him think this but suddenly dr stewart's like maybe the lights are drawing them in, like maybe you know, maybe Gaider thinks that the light is like a food source. All right, uh, Anthony, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cut
1: you off. We skip the whole part. We skipped the whole part where uh, Sanda sees that guyra ate the people.
0: Oh uh, and he yeah! Hits him with the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. I, yeah, I definitely did miss that. They <laughs> like, they they have like a small fight. It's you know, it's kind of like which is you know sort of a common thing for for the kaiju movies is like you know we know we're gonna get a big cool fight scene at the end right. but we can't wait till the very end so we need a little bit of something yeah so there's like this part where it's like you know we know sanda like rescued Gaira, but then yeah as soon as he sees the you know this evidence of the cannibalism or whatever he like yeah he yanks a tree out of the ground and and like hits him with it and then starts this sort of fight um and that kind of happens it like as it kind of cuts back and forth and you get like, that's where you get the doctors and the, the, the military talking. Right. But like, yeah, we're well, I, yeah, I can't believe I'm talking about military conversations when I miss like, there's <laughs> uh, a, there's a monster fight. There's a scene.
1: monster fight. Yeah. Come on. No, but <laughs> yeah. So, uh, obviously San, Sanda has the upper hand because Guyra was wounded and he chases Guyra off. And if anyone has seen attack on Titan, the way that Gyra runs at this point to jump back in the ocean is very reminiscent of some of the early Titans in Attack on Titan. If you, if you are into the into the anime, and you know if you're into giant monsters, that's that too. the anime to watch.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, he's swinging his arms side to side as he's running, it's it's almost funny, but the monster's terrifying enough that it's not. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Then um, we go back to the next press conference where they're kind of discussing how to deal with the monsters.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, we end up with like Dr. Stewart that when all the lights come on that night and he's like, maybe this light is a, is a clue to the creatures that there may be food nearby. Of course, you know, if, if Gila is like finding these things and like, or, you know, is approaching like a, a boat that's lit up or a house that's lit up and finds a human to eat inside. Maybe we, don't turn on the lights maybe yeah, he, he maybe, maybe having all these lights on is like you know it's like a moth to a porch light or whatever exactly he's learned that light is is where sustenance is now so yeah. yeah so then they kind of get this thing where like um gaila and sanda are both sort of seen approaching tokyo from a distance and like the city's sort of evacuating everybody's kind of like you know doing the okay. whole like preparation thing like we know they're coming um and while everybody else is running away, you've got Tagawa and Stewart who are like, we need to go out and see if we can find Sanda and help him, um, you know, try to protect him from the military. Right. And I'll give I'll give this movie kudos.
1: Uh, Kemi Tagawa is way more proactive than the other character that effectively was her in the last movie. <laughs> like she's yeah, like, let's go out. I'm not going to be stopped by my
0: Dr. Stewart. We're just
1: going to do this.
0: Yeah, like Bowen in the last movie like kind of, you know, locked her in the apartment and went out to to do stuff and she's like, "No, we're going to go help him." Mm-hmm. Um and in fact, it, it, you know, she she gets in danger. Like sh- they kind of they see Gaida, they like kind of run into a subway platform, go down the stairs and Gaida reaches in and like, you know, hits her and then, you know, Sonda appears of course and we get another really great monster fight and, you know, now we're not you know, out in the woods. Now we're in the city. So we get, you know, Tokyo proper. Yeah. So we get all of the, like the smashing buildings, you know, and throwing each other into buildings and all, you know, you get all that. And, you know, again, it's, it's that great miniature work where like they, they make the buildings detailed enough that like you can believe that they are full size buildings and that these creatures are the size of buildings.
1: Yeah. And the way they cut out the, the panels for the, the buildings as well, when they break away, look, I mean, it looks realistic. Like, if you told me that these were two giant monsters fighting in a city, you know, assuming that I didn't live in current day where I know certain things and how they're done, I would believe you. Like, if oh. you showed someone at the time this, they would definitely have said, oh, wow, that's two giant monsters fighting.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so, of course, then the, the army shows up. They've got the tanks out. They start firing. Um, and there's really like Tagawa and Stewart realize like they're kind of out of their depths here. You've got two giant monsters fighting and you got a mm-hmm. bunch of tanks um, Two, you know, two doctors are not really going to have any kind of sway over this situation at the point at this point.
1: But the soldiers um, like if, if there was a third movie, spoiler alert, there's not not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> this would be where the thousands of other monsters come from because they blow
0: chunks off of Gyra. Oh yeah, like they're just blasting, and yeah, like you were saying earlier, like this movie shows like the battle damage and mm-hmm. like yeah, bits are flying, um, and so then like Tagawa and Stewart are like, well, at least we could like maybe collect some of this DNA for research, right? Um, and then the, the fight sort of like rolls towards uh, towards the water, like the creatures are moving towards the water, the military is kind of pushing them that way. You get all the the mazers, the the like the vehicles pulling the mazer trailers and they start firing um and the both of the both gargantua is kind of like they're wrestling and they kind of roll into the water and sort of keep fighting and the, the mazers are still firing um <laughs> and this is i we were talking about the helicopters earlier which was really cool mm-hmm. but then you get this scene yeah where they where drop they the are bombs just, well, that when G- <laughs> Gaida and Sanda are picking up whole ships mm-hmm. out of the ocean and throwing them <laughs> yeah, at Yeah, just chucking
1: them at each other.
0: <laughs> and, like, you know, size-wise, you've got a, a, a tank or a helicopter that's, like, you know, fits in the palm of one of their hands, you know, mm-hmm. but this, these boats are, like, they it takes even these giant monsters, it's, like, two-handed, like, lifts up over their head and, like, throws them at each other, um, which is, you know, similar to, like, the boulders in the last movie, but, mm-hmm. like, these boats are so much cooler than boulders like, right, these absolutely. are just little rocks that are just like whole boats no yeah like full full size well not full size
1: models but they are large models they are not small chintzy boats these are probably what about 10 pounds of plastic when they were made oh yeah
0: I would say so for sure yeah or um, resin or whatever they're made with yeah I'm not sure what they make them maybe we'll have to look into I mean, that <laughs> yeah Um, yeah. And so then we cut to like Dr. Tagawa in the hospital and like Dr. Stewart's visiting her. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she's, you know, was injured by, uh, Gaida in the, at the beginning of the fight. And you just kind of get that little, like little brief scene with them. And then it kind of goes back to the fight. Um, and you got, they're, they're still in the ocean. This is where the choppers drop all the bombs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is like, they're getting hit with all this, these explosions of bombs and fire and the bombs set off a chain reaction, which causes a volcano to erupt, um, Right, underwater volcano. Then all of a sudden, boom, new Island. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and they're just gone and you know, like there, there's like no evidence of, of them at all at this point. And like, so they're believed to be dead from the volcanic heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's sort of like a perfect sort of solution that like, we need to get rid of all their DNA. <laughs> right. Um, except so, for what's in the
1: city, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, but theoretically like they're, these are not, these two creatures are not coming back. You know, their right. DNA might grow into new monsters down the road, but these two have been like sufficiently burned away um, with all the lava and everything. Right. I don't think they're coming back.
1: And to prove that this is a true Frankenstein
0: movie, no Denymon, it's over. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you, you get like somebody, are st- you like a, a little conversation where they're just like, yeah, we believe they're probably dead from the volcano. Yeah. And then you get the, the big kanji, the end at the, at, you know, and uh, Yeah, it, last like, movie kind of had this sort of nice sort of like pan up right. and you got the, the, the forest burning and stuff. But, yeah, this one's a, a quick ending as, as we're definitely used to at this point in, in our look at all these movies. Right. In
1: our previous review. So I, I do have a, a few things that I want to follow up on with this. So I was kind of thinking. Um, I, I, you may not know this about me, but I'm a huge yokai fan, right? Or I love mythology in general but i was kind of like this reminds me of a few things first off there's the Umibozo. or umibozu sorry which is like a, just a giant that lives in the ocean right and it comes out and it attacks ships so i'm like okay, okay. that's where they kind of got gyra maybe maybe that's inspiration for gyra but also there's the uh yukio which is kind of like the abominable snowman that you know we reference but also a version of that is found in the water, which may be a little bit more closely related to Gaira. And then of huh, course okay. there's the Hebigan, uh, which is more of the traditional mountain, mountain version. So it's kind of like they took maybe a little bit of the, uh, the uh, Yuki Otoku and made that brothers with the Hebigon or Hebigan and kind of used maybe a little bit of yokai in there or once again i'm reading into this too much
0: yeah you know, i don't i mean i I'm like in a lot of the movies that we have watched and will be watching there's you know we're going to be having to find some subtext <laughs> in a thing that does not have much but i think in this case i i would imagine that you were on something um you know with uh ishiro honda again directing this one like he you know he's not Uh, you know, he's not somebody just throwing a movie together. Like, you know, I mean, you know, like starting with Godzilla, like he's, he's clearly like, he's not afraid to do horror and sci-fi and monsters, but he has a purpose. Like, and, and, you know, I think every one of these movies has, you know, definitely has stuff as they go, you know, maybe a little less so, but I I still think that there's definitely a lot um, that he's thinking about. Right.
1: And I think it adds that little bit of extra Japan, to the movie, right? I mean, even yeah. though it's set there, you know, you've just got giant monsters fighting. So maybe, maybe there is something there.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah,
1: but aside from that, this movie definitely ticked uh, my little kid vibes off because I remember as a little kid playing in pools and stuff like that, just shaking the little toy boats like uh, <laughs> gyra
0: Yeah, there's definitely like a playful quality to this movie that that is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's the thing with like just kaiju mo- movies in general is like, you know, that's that's the thing that's fun about it is like you we all want to kind of pretend to be the monster and smash the thing sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're a kid and you build the build something out of Legos, the first thing you want to do is break it, you know, you want to stomp on it and and be the the giant monster that crushes the house. Exactly. And so yeah, I mean, it's just it's fun to watch. It, it's just them being like the two of these where the, you have sort of like the good and the bad side, it kind of lets you sort of explore all of that, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, cause uh, you know, most people I think are generally good, good intention, but like, we also have that part of us that just wants to crush stuff and break things. And, you right. know, we resist that urge, but these movies sort of like give you an opportunity to, to like live that out on the screen. It's kind of like and, the ego and, versus the id, right? You've got, the, yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm got that little compulsion that's like what if i were to just break this thing Hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. yeah so yeah i mean that's you know that that I, as far as i know that maybe the last kaiju movie we watch in this series unless something you know new and interesting comes up that is either doesn't exist yet or that i have somehow managed to overlook over the years um which you know I, i'm definitely hoping that doing this project makes me stumble across things that I have not seen. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, but so for now, you know, we'll close the chapter on, on Toho and, and the Kaiju interpretation of Frankenstein. Um, so next week, so we're getting close to the holiday season. And, uh, so I was trying to think of like, what would be kind of fun sort of holiday things to look at for, for us in the, and you know, in this podcast, And when you think about holiday movies, one of the things I think most people think about is those Rankin and Bass um, claymation ones, you know, the Rudolph movie and the, the like heat miser, cold miser movie. Um, So those guys, the, the the same people that did those movies also did a monster movie. It's, it's not quite, you know, holiday theme. There's no snowman or, or, you know, Santa or anything in it, but it, when you watch it it's got the same vibe you know the, the, the characters have the same sort of like design and it definitely makes me like puts me in a holiday mood um, and that movie th- th- there's two of them so f- first we're going to be watching Mad Monster Party um, so we'll do that next week and then the follow-up is not actually the Claymation but it's still the same studio it's an animated movie so we'll get to that the week after um, but yeah so for next week Mad Monster Party um, which I think is a little bit it's a little bit off the beaten path. Probably a lot of people have not seen it. So um, that might be a fun one to check out if you're, you know, if, if it's new to you, it, it has like Boris Karloff in it. Um, as it does one of the voices and you've got like Phyllis Diller and some comedians and stuff. It It's a, it's a real interesting one. So I'm excited to get back to that. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if
1: you have any ideas and maybe we missed something, send it to us at the frankencast at gmail.com.
0: Yes, absolutely. You can reach out to us there, or you know, Twitter, wherever, Instagram. Um, definitely love to hear ideas, suggestions. You know, we're we're open to uh, to hearing what people have to say.
1: No doubt. Well, I guess there's only one thing left to say, and that's to be continued.
0: Looks like you survived another episode. The Freaking Cast is a production of FCR Media hosted by Anthony Bowman and Eric Velasquez. Follow us on Twitter at thefrankencast or send us a letter at Frankencast at gmail.com. Our cover art is by Amanda Keller. You can find her at Keller Illustrations on Instagram. Our theme music is by Vivek Abhishek. Thanks for listening.